0: How's it going everyone and welcome to the Trade With Logic podcast where you'll learn professional market insights to make you a successful Forex trader. Your host for today will be Matty and Marcus and in this episode we'll be covering the two major psychological mistakes traders make. How are you been Marcus, how are you doing, you
1: good? Hey Matty, yeah not too bad thanks, what about yourself? <laughs> yeah I'm doing good thanks.
0: I'm just going to start this podcast off with a little curveball. Not sure if you remember it, but you should if you've read the book, thinking fast and Slow. Um, okay, I'm just going to and let the listeners in as well. after this question, have a think about it and get the answer ready in your head and see if it's the right answer. So the question is: a bot a bat <laughs> a bot? A <laughs> bat and a ball cost one pound 10. The bat costs one pound more than the ball. How much does the ball cost?
1: I remember this question now. So just to give you guys some context, before this podcast, Matt, it was like, oh, do you remember the bat and the ball question? And I was like, um, yes and no. <laughs> and now I'm trying to think about the answer. So let me get this straight. So the you have a bat and a ball, and the yep. bat is one pound more than the ball. Yeah. And the total cost is one pound ten. Yes.
0: So how much does the ball cost?
1: Right. I know the answer. But I know what the listeners are going to say because I remember my first answer.
0: Yeah. So if it's your first time listening to this, like it's like a little mind trick, then a lot of you will be thinking the ball costs 10p. And actually... The answer is the ball costs five P because if the ball costs ten P, then the bat would cost one pound ten, because it's one pound more than ten, which would equal one pound twenty P. But if the ball costs five P and the bat costs one pound five P, then the total is one pound ten P.
1: And it's just a little Go on, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know what's crazy? Even after hearing the answer, if you don't sit down and think about it, your mind's still telling you that you're wrong and it's the ball's 10p. <laughs> Hearing that the ball is 5p, if you don't switch your mind on, you're still thinking, what the hell is he on about? The ball's obviously 10p. But, yeah, carry on. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, and it it
0: just goes to show, like, these little factors in your brain which you don't really know that's happening. You know, in Daniel Kenyon's book, it goes over it as system one and system two where one part of the brain is intuitive, quick thinking – and the other part is really cool, cognitive and technical. That's true. And it's not really taught in school, but there's a lot of, um, you know, psychological tests that have been proven that this type of stuff happens. And in trading, there's a bunch of psychological and cognitive errors which traders fall for. And understanding that they're falling for this is really important, I think. What about you?
1: Yeah, the points you made, they're quite, quite, quite good, to be honest. It's... Like this bat and ball scenario, I think is brilliant for traders to sort of look at and realise that what you think is correct on the face of it could actually be completely wrong. So until you give it that thorough thought, then even when someone, sh- even if it's like sitting right in front of your face, like in this scenario, um, the answer, you even told us the answer, but it's hard for the brain to process because it doesn't make sense immediately. Um mm that same scenario happens when you're looking at a chart it could be really obvious that what you're looking at or the information that you're looking at isn't actually what it seems to be but at the time when you're looking at it you think it's your your brain makes up sort of what's a that's what i that's what i found and there was actually a guy who did a ted talk i forgot his name now and he he was talking about how 80% of the things that we actually see um is made up by the eyes, it's all in it 80 percent is sort of um an illusion in a sense and that's because the brain just fills in gaps so it only processes a small amount of information and then fills in the gaps so you can get around your daily life because if you had to process every single detail that your eyes are seeing all the time you'd get tired like within a second so what it does is it just processes the main bits and fills in the rest with what should be there based on your experiences it's quite crazy actually so mm-hmm. if, if you're walking around your room and stuff and sometimes you know you just know things are there it's because you've already experienced the environment it's kind of uh, that sort of stuff intrigues me a lot because it's quite easy in trading to misinterpret things and then you come mm-hmm. back to it and you're, you're two days later three days later and you're like well wow, what was i thinking Clearly, that was an error. But at the time, I was 100% belief that I was correct in making the decision. Which is kind of interesting. ball scenario. IRL. Application.
0: (laughs) That's it. And it just shows to show, like, if you're aware of these problems and then you address them as quickly as possible, or you have contingencies in place to address them, it can really get your head, not just in trading, but in other decision-making aspects in life.
1: It's all links, really. You're outs... exogenous decisions or exogenous or outside or any decisions outside of your actual trading heavily impact your trading. You know, mm-hmm. um, me and Matty spoke about it before um, how he goes gym a lot and how the psychological benefits of being in that routine of going gym heavily, basically sway the decision-making during the periods where he's working. In, in a better sense not in a worse sense and when you're in a sort of routine outside of that your routine inside of your work environment dramatically increases it's just another thing uh, on how psychology's in terms of your work basis isn't subject to that period it's mm. your whole lifestyle which determines your su- success in anything I guess in any sort of industry that's sport whether it's snooker poker trading you know the story is coherent through everybody's sort of outlook when you read about it the top of the game it's their whole lifestyle that's quite on it not just the profession that they're trying to exceed in. succeed sorry
0: Mm, yeah that's very true i think we'll just jump into the two major points that we want to discuss and the first one is confirmation bias and what this is it's basically a cognitive bias And it involves you favoring information that confirms whatever you already believed. Whatever you already had a bias for in the past, it just confirms it. Any new information is confirmed. So let's say you had a random belief that um, right-handed people are more superior than left-handed people. Mm -hmm. You're just going to find information and data to confirm that. And you're going to ignore data that is saying, that's not true. That's completely stupid. And people do not realize that they are ignoring these facts that are right in front of them.
1: Yeah. uh, That's, that's a quite an interesting one to me. Confirmation bias. I see it everywhere. You know, you know, when you approach someone um, and they have an opinion of something Mm. and you can show them the other side of that opinion, but nobody initially is willing to listen to the other side's opinion, what they're, thinking is how to protect their own and i think that stems from confirmation bias what the person is trying to do there is look for any reason to confirm their current beliefs rather than be willing to look at external factors that disprove their current beliefs which in the trading world is a really key trait to be honest you don't want to have that confidence that your beliefs are in like 100 correct because if you do, it can be really dangerous. You need some sort of confidence, but not overconfidence, really fine line. And confirmation bias, from what you've outlined, is kind of a hidden killer, in a sense. For sure.
0: Definitely in the beginner's stage of retail trading, everyone falls for it. They're already falling for it in day-to-day activities. And with the misinformation in the market already, these retail traders are coming up with all bunch of
1: confirmation biases that are just false. And... Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Do, do you know what it is as well? Um, you know, short term sort of sample sizes. It it pushes that confirmation bias. So an example mm. could be, um, you know, uh, you're trading, and over the past three days, you have a ninety nine percent success rate out of your 10 trades or 20 trades or whatever well 99 percent can't exist on 20 trades but for example you, you you know over 10 trades you got nine of them right
0: mm-hmm.
1: whatever system you used to gain those rewards you're in full belief that it works if you haven't back tested it and all you've got is that sample to go off in your mind it's really hard not to believe it doesn't work because nine out of ten times you've been correct in the past few days that can really mess with you Um, In terms of confirmation bias, because what happens is now whatever method you use to achieve those results, you're attached to them. And then when they stop working, you still believe that there's the initial idea that you were doing. There's something that you're not doing now to replicate what you did then when it could be the exact same thing. So, for example, let's say you're using, I don't know, stochastics, a stochastic crossover, a typical retail trader sort of technical indicator, right? And you were waiting for stochastics to be at the top before you enter a position. And you did that and you got 90% success rate over the past three days. And then the next three days, you seem to lose, let's say, 70% of the the trades. So you're still profitable. But what happens is you start to look for things that you were doing wrong to confirm your initial idea of what you were using so you still believe that you're confirming the idea that stochastics work but then you're basically biased towards what you were doing then you're essentially ignoring the fact that maybe you were doing the exact same thing and it's just the strategy that's completely not been tested and it's been a failure but you're just totally attached to those wins and confirming that idea hey This strategy is a 90% success rate strategy. And what I'm doing now, I just made some mistakes. I made a mistake, if that makes sense. I hear that so much. Oh, I just made a mistake. I didn't do it properly. Um, Stuff like that when the strategy starts performing on its negative variance cycles. Mm -hmm. But um, confirmation bias in trading can really screw you over like that,
0: I think. For sure. What type of things, you know, like what type of uh, actions or things could the trader or individual help beat it you know
1: help plan against it prepare for it in terms of trading the way you beat confirmation bias be objective about anything always be self critical and always be skeptical when you feel like things are going really well and never think that it's your skill set if if you start believing that it's your skill set where you've got insane returns and start undervaluing the look side of some sort of scenarios, you know, the variance side. Mm. Um, I think just being aware of how the variance works and the variance of the strategy and determining that before you start implementing it will save you a lot of time. Now, in order to understand the variance of a strategy, you'd have to stress test it of some sorts, right, of a historical data mm. um, or have, you know, a period of stress testing and then a period of, data that hasn't been stress tested on, so it hasn't been trained on, and then been able to implement it in a sort of forward test in a controlled environment, then that will give you confidence in, right, it wins during these periods, it loses during these periods. And then once you've got an idea of the volatility and variance of the system that you're using, it takes away then that sort of confirmation bias because then you've got full belief in the system, it works. That's true. and, And then you're good to go from that point forward, I reckon. What do you Mm -hmm. think, Matty? What's the best way to get rid of confirmation bias, in your opinion, in terms of trading? I think
0: what you said there is like, I'm 100% for it. I think that's a great way to put it. At the same time, I think there's other ways which can definitely help an individual trader. You know, getting mentorship is another one. You know, getting an outside opinion. If you have an outline strategy all written out, written out, all the points, the steps you're going to take before you enter a strategy. And then you have a group of like-minded people around you who you can talk to whenever you come up with these ideas. And then you'll get their perspective on, are you following your own trading rules? Are you just confirming to increase your opportunities, increase your risk, things like that?
1: You, know what, think- you, you know what you've just said there? It thoroughly reminds me of um, the ego depletion concept, which... Am I allowed to talk about it in this podcast? Let's go for it. Top three psychological mistakes now. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, what that what Matty just said there is quite important. You know, when I think I've already mentioned in the podcast, when you're looking at something and you're 100, it's correct, and then you look at it later and you're like, "Well, what was I thinking?" That has a lot to do with ego depletion. So, the way ego depletion works is um, when you're sort of working at full capacity so you've eaten you're fresh you're not very ego depleted and your decision making is satisfactory as soon as you start to become hungry or fatigued or your days get longer your rationality and your decision making becomes a lot worse without you becoming aware of it um you may have noticed it in other environments and what's happened is known as ego depletion and there was a study done with a judge comparing on how they convict um or sentence criminals in court um at different times whether during the day. So they compared it to straight after lunchtime, um, how many people did they sentence to prison and the percentages um were fairly low, between the zero to ten percent if my memory serves. Um just don't quote me on that. I'll find the study for you after and you can just message me and we can talk about it. Um and then later in the afternoon, so after they've had their lunch, maybe like five to six hours later, the conviction rate or the sentence rate, sorry, um, increased to by 80% increase. And the only sort of difference they found was whether the judge was hungry or not. And what happens is as you become ego depleted, you become less sort of available to fresh information. You become lazier in your thinking subconsciously. And you just want to go for the easiest answer or the most natural answer. So you're less likely to listen to the criminal sort of um, his plea, you could say. And then as the judge, he's just going to go to the default answer because his ego depleted. And his sort of rationality and decision making becomes a lot worse during those points. That same concept can be drawn across into the trading industry to any field that you're in. When you're hungry, your decisions become bad when your ego depleted, which can come from any sort of fatigue, your decisions become bad. But the problem is you're not aware of it until now. Until now, hearing this, you'll be like, oh, I'm tired. I should probably not make decisions during this time, which is what many of the top CEOs live by making few decisions during a day. I think Bezos only makes three decisions in a day. Like uh, for his company. I think that's right, mate. Is its is it three decisions? Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. He quoted that. You should yeah. only make three important decisions per day. And that's based on ego depletion because as soon as you start exceeding that, your rationality behind the decision becomes worse. Um, And that's Mm. essentially what Matt is on about here because what happens is now, sometimes it's hard to notice. So having that mentor or a community of other traders being able to observe what you're doing and maybe put input and say, hey, look, we think this decision and it may help you, understand hey hold on a second why is this person that i respect thinking the opposite of me but that only works if you respect your colleagues and the person that's your mentor otherwise it doesn't work because when you're in an ego depleted state if you don't respect that person you're going to disregard what they're saying regardless it's quite interesting and sort of way the brain works in a sense what Mm. do you think mate yeah definitely ego depletion
0: ego depletion i get it all the time because when you're there constantly working You know, you forget to eat, you forget to drink water. You just start feeling like, you know, not 100%. But then you don't realise that's flowing into the work you're producing, which makes you then have to go back into it and do it again once you're in that state of, I am fully aware my decisions are correct right now.
1: Yeah, I I used to get it in um, exams back in school. I used to sit there, complete a maths paper, thinking I got 100%, which... Mm. Most of my childhood I achieved until the age of six when things started getting hard. <laughs> but <laughs> what well, I'd sit into the exam thinking I've answered everything correctly and then get the result and I only got, you know, 60%. And in my mind, I was like, I was sitting there so sure I got this all correct. And mm. it's it's kind of crazy how the brain plays those tricks where you think that you've triple checked things and etc. cetera, et cetera. But your brain just can't see it sometimes. And that's ego depletion working at its finest. You know? That That's it. That's
0: literally it. Uh, some people like to call it hangry, you know? Yeah, uh, that's true. They get, emo- they get emotional, they start getting hangry. It's a similar concept where you, you're you not thinking straight, you know, you're not making rational decisions and you're letting emotional factors take over because you literally don't have the mental capacity anymore.
1: Yeah. And it, what's the uh, more? No, sorry about that. An important point to make here is having a healthy lifestyle actually increases the levels of ego you have. The ego in this scenario, not ego is in arrogance. Ego is in terms of the capacity you have before you're making poorer decisions. The way you can think of it is like a house with electricity in and that electricity is your ego. And the more you exercise, the more you read books, the more capacity the house can withstand in terms of electric current. Um, which means that it takes longer for that ego to deplete. So you can work for longer hours, you can do the tasks for longer without feeling exhausted as quick. Whereas if you don't exercise or you don't have a healthy lifestyle, you'll find that you get really ego depleted really quickly. Sometimes you may even wake up ego depleted with making poor decisions straight off the bat. And if you feel like that's you in this scenario and you're listening to this, it's all to do with your lifestyle and the way you exercise your healthy living all affects your depletion levels really important for sure
0: i think maybe an easier example for everyone listening is basically the type of lifestyle you live will have a big impact on how much thinking you can expend think of it like two different batteries one big battery and one smaller battery you know if you have a bad lifestyle you're not eating the right foods every day you get no sleep your batteries Your battery throughout the day is going to be small. You're going to get depleted fast. But if you have a healthy lifestyle, you know, you're getting enough sleep, you're getting enough food in throughout the day. You're going to have that energy constantly. Mm -hmm. And that battery is going to be full all the time.
1: That's exactly right. Matty put it way better than I ever could, which he always does. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) that's literally the best way to explain it.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's decent. That's one. I think another one, um, another bias we could go over is the um, hindsight bias. You know, so this is a tendency for people to overestimate their ability to predict an outcome that could not be possibly being predicted. You know, like some of them, such as financial bubbles, which couldn't have actually been predicted, you know, maybe Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and what in the end, what it makes us do is it makes us arrogant of our own competencies and take on too much risk and leading to oversimplification of what's actually happened you know you'll get all these economists on tv talking about the 2008 financial crisis and how it happened this and that but that's after the fact and yeah then they think they think they're a genius but that's after the fact if you're the genius you would have been the one shorting it
1: like the individuals that did it's very true and you you know i made an instagram story post and i think an actual post about this um if anybody here trades a stock market, they would have heard of something called an IPO. Uh, essentially, what an IPO is, is initial public offering. So when a company decides that, hey, I need some more money, they float themselves on the stock, ex- uh, stock exchange. So you, for example, you're a British company, uh, your business is going good, you're looking to take it to the next level, you decide I need investment, so I want to make my co- uh, company public, and you float it on the stock exchange. And then what happens is you get private investors that you initially sell it off to. And then you get your public offering, which is your IPO, initial public offering. Now, what tends to happen is, um, and this is purely because of hindsight bias, is people believe IPOs are sort of these gold mines. Because what it allows you to do is get in right at the start of a company sort of journey. So what would happen is you'll start to look at microsoft amazon apple and you'll be like oh if i bought this ipo when this company first came out i would be a, literally a decillionaire um if you bought you know apple's ipo when it first came out and you only invested like 10 grand you'd be a decillionaire it's actually insane um and what happens is now people believe due to hindsight bias ignoring the millions or thousands or thousands probably more realistic of companies that listed on the stock exchange that literally drop. I think it's 80% of companies within the first three, first three years of listing, whatever they list the value of their shares at drops within the first three years. Um, 80% of IPOs. This is. Um, they disregard that information and believe that they can call the next Amazon or call the next Facebook. And it's purely because that they think they know what Amazon or Facebook or Apple were like when they listed as a company. And they're like, yeah, I could have called that. So they start investing in this super high risk, overconfidence, like Matty was saying. Due to that sort of hindsight, I've seen the future of this company, um, Apple. I'm living in it. And I could have called that back in the day. So you know what? I'm just going to invest in a whole bunch of IPOs now. Um, With that sort of non-proven skill set that you've given yourself, thinking that IPOs are a valid sort of resource to invest in. Which... It's a realistic application of hindsight bias screwing you over as a investor, which I don't know. A lot of people, if you watch, look at social media, um, sort of news outlets, they're always talking about um, initial public offerings of companies as a sort of fun and exciting thing that the top investors are doing. They don't really touch them. The only ones that touch them are the private investors that get in there before the public offering to literally sell their shares off when it's listed to the public so they have liquidity to make money because they've obviously bought it at lower than the um public offering price so it's That's crazy it. world
0: i think the ipo example is a pretty good um way to put it it's also a little bit of um survivorship bias but we'll go into it another time oh okay. but, like a quick example is like um i think it was in world war Two. this guy called abraham wald they were trying to calculate where to armor their planes their bombing planes okay and what they did is well what one person suggested is that they just cover up patches where most bullets were taken in the planes right that sounds logical right
1: oh because that's where they were shot before so logically you can't yeah, so that's where they were
0: shot before but it doesn't mm-hmm. take into account the fact that these are the planes that returned and the planes that got shot down you don't know so in, in ah, the yeah, ipo ex- in the ipo example you have all these ipos the only ones you remember are going to be Microsoft, Google, Amazon. And you don't know about all these other IPOs that are out there. They're the three on top of a pyramid. And yeah, I think it's a good mix of survivorship bias and hindsight in one go.
1: Yeah, the, the airplane example is a new one to me and it puts it really nicely, to be honest. That's exactly what the IPO sort of framework, you could say, yeah, is based off crazy world
0: in forex trading as well like you're going to look at the charts and you're going to start saying things like or if you if you take a big loss you'll be like oh i should have closed my trade there or i should have entered at this time and these are psychological biases that you need to account for before you say things like that so you would take accountability of your actions you know you don't blame it on things like this
1: yeah accountability i love that point uh you know Looking at a trade and seeing where it could have gone after the fact will be the hidden killer. Um, this comes on to another topic of over-optimization, which um, really hurts you as a trader, which we'll probably get on in another podcast, right? But essentially, what's happening there is you're looking at your strategy and how to optimize it based on potential returns Um on historical data at that point, right? Because after the fact... And what happens is now a bit of the hindsight bias, a bit of over optimization is you're refining it to events that are unique to that point in time. Which means if any of you have sort of uh coding experience, um when you over optimize something, it overfits the data and becomes too good at predicting that specific period of time that when you start using it in the future, it's practically redundant because you've overfitted it for the historical sample and no future event is ever, ever exactly the same as a historical one. There isn't a single one that's exactly the same. And if they're unique events, you can't overfit and find what's called, you know, I think Matty mentioned uh, mentioned the word earlier, the Holy Grail sort of, um, system that predicts everything right all the time so what happens is if you're looking back and thinking hey i could have taken this trade to here what you're trying to do is create the idealistic version of your strategy that doesn't exist
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you should be very careful when you're doing things like that looking back in time and thinking what you could have taken it it's good to do that and contemplate what you've done with the trade but Don't be under the impression that you could achieve that maximum reward all the time without having to take on inherent or sort of indirect risk attached to that sort of change to achieve that reward. So if that was like, hey, that position actually went um, 300 basis points instead of the 50 that I took it, maybe I should increase my take profit to 300 basis points. What? what people generally fail to consider is what else does that impact? You're going to have to completely retest your whole strategy if you're increasing your sort of firm take profit by sixfold. It completely changes everything. Cascade effect. And that's how, you know, you probably get screwed over. Probably. I know you'll get screwed over if you do that. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: think that's a good way to put it, to be honest. yeah, you, You get screwed over if you don't take into account these psychological errors and fallacies and I think that's a pretty good way to conclude it really. Yeah what do you uh,
1: think? I think that's a good way to conclude it Yeah, do you want to do Be- the outro? I'll let you do the outro Oh, what do you normally say at the outro, May Okay, <laughs> make sure you subscribe to our YouTube um, and if you're not already following our Instagram um, please do give us a follow I really appreciate it and if you're currently interested in trading or you know you, you're already in the trading industry please just join logic effects it's free you can try it our services and if you like them you like them if you don't let us know and we'll look to improve we have the traders in mind and that's what we're here to, here to do at logic effects i think that's the best outro i can give Matty.
0: i like it i like it thanks for listening guys peace